Welcome back. Today's episode is for the parents. Sometimes being a parent is wonderful and we're filled with joy and pride of our little children and other times parenting is a nightmare. Sometimes we feel like we have just tried everything we can think of and we can't get the kids to cooperate. Sometimes we wonder if we're a bad parent or a good parent. And it certainly doesn't help when we have other parents who are parent shaming us. Oh, if that was my kid, they wouldn't act like that. Or or they give you that look in the store when your toddler is screaming as if their toddler never did that. Come on. So, number one, do not base your worth and value as a parent on other people's opinions. Um, People are very quick to give parenting advice. And some of those people don't even have children and never have had children. Some of them are projecting their own failures onto you or their perceived failures onto you by trying to criticize you and give you advice. The trick is to know where you're doing things right and where you're doing things that maybe need improvement. So what's right for you as a parent is based on your beliefs and your values and what you have tried that has worked and what you have tried that has not. So only you know if what you're doing is working. Nobody else has the right to impose their opinion upon you, okay? We're not born knowing how to be a parent. We don't really get taught how to become a parent in high school. Um, Most of us don't go read all the books on parenting and the ones of us that do we find that most of it is is really not all that helpful and it's kind of unrealistic and doesn't really apply to our situation so I have compiled a whole bunch of information here on parenting and this first list of the positive parenting the seven C's of successful parenting This was created by Chris Thiessen in 2001. And Chris Thiessen has seven words that start with C for positive, successful parenting. Number one is confidence. And this is you believing in your own abilities. It's um, also an attribute that can determine whether or not you're in charge or if your child has the upper hand. Confidence is power. And children respond more positively to a parent who has confidence than to a parent who has self-doubt, bad self-esteem, or uncertainty. So stand firm. It doesn't mean you have to be aggressive. You just have to be assertive and know that you're doing the right thing. Johnny, don't stick your finger in that light socket. That's not safe. That's very confident. Now, if you had no confidence, you say, oh, gee, I don't think you should stick your finger in there. That's probably not a good idea. Oh, my God. So Johnny would respond more to, you know, the mommy voice I just used rather than the um, weaker, uh, unsure voice. Consistency. Consistency is the ability to maintain a particular standard or be able to repeat a particular task with minimal variation. 
Consistency brings a sense of predictability to that child's life. It lets them know what to expect and when behavior is not appropriate or acceptable. When consequences change periodically and at our irregular intervals, then a child will learn that misbehavior might not lead to any consequences at all. So the same consequences should be given for the same behaviors each and every time. For example, your 12-year-old tells you, you tell your 12-year-old to clean their room, and they say, no, I'm not cleaning my room, I don't like to clean. So you might say, okay, well, um, you've just lost all privileges to all screen time, and that includes the TV in the living room, and you will have zero screen time for three days. Now, please clean your room. So children these days, they hate not having screen time. They're um, addicted to it, and most of them get too much of it. Um, your child will likely comply and clean the room. Um, sometimes if a child refuses to clean their room, you might want to offer to help them a little bit, teach them how to organize their things, teach them how to get started on cleaning a giant mess because they might be overwhelmed. But once you show them and get them started. You say, okay, it's on you. You finish up. Um, and then let's say a month later you walk by and that child's room is a mess again. And you say, Hey, clean your room. And your kid rolls your eyes, their eyes at you and says, I don't want to clean my room. And you, you're frustrated and you're tired. So this time you don't have the same consequence. You just kind of walk away and say, Oh, well, I give up. So now your child says, ha ha. I'm not, get, I'm not grounded this time. I still get screen time because she's too tired to deal with me. So you're not teaching your child that self-discipline. You're not teaching your child that routine, that consistency. So it's really important to be super consistent with, your, um, with all of your um, consequences and rewards as well. Be consistent. Okay, the third C is communication. This is the exchange of information between two people, right? It involves a sense of mutual understanding and sympathy. Parents simply cannot be parents without communication. Your communication needs to be clear, open, and understanding in order to be effective. Children often have a lot to say and put up walls or refuse to discuss certain matters. Um, that will cause... If we do that to them, that will cause them to seek the advice of others, which, you know, you definitely don't want in most cases. Or they bottle it all up until they have a breaking point and a reactionary explosive fit. So be approachable. Be willing to listen. Be willing to discuss issues without criticism, judgment, or rejection. Make it a teaching moment. But don't judge and don't lecture. Effective communication is essential to successful parenting. Um, it's, it's super important to be an active listener when you're communicating with your kids. Um, sit down at eye level with them. Tell them you're not in trouble. It's okay to tell me how you feel. If they say, I'm mad, I'm frustrated, I hate cleaning my room, you can say, it's okay if you're frustrated, it's okay that you're mad, and, and I know cleaning is no fun. And you can help them process their feelings, and it shows them that they are able to come to you and talk to you about anything. And trust me, when they become teenagers, you want that open line of communication. 
Composure. Composure means you're having a calm and steady control over your own emotions. Out-of-control parents typically raise out-of-control children because they mimic our behavior. We are constantly modeling. That's, that's not to say that every now and then you're going to yell, Damn it! You know, uh, we're human. We're human. We make mistakes. We don't always have complete control over ourselves. But you want to practice having more control. So yelling and screaming at a child, that's about as effective as giving directions in a different language. Think about how you feel when somebody yells and screams at you. Do you want to do what they want you to do? Or do you want to rebel against them, possibly um, hurt them? And then you feel resentment. You don't respect that person. You think, oh, I hate you. You're so angry and annoying. So your kids, they might not feel all of that, but they will fear. They'll fear you. They'll feel fear. And they'll want to avoid you. And you'll look like a big scary monster to them while you're screaming and yelling and clean your damn room, blah, blah, blah. You're scaring the crap out of your kid. You're not making yourself approachable and communication will be cut off. Your child will stonewall you and be like, no way. I don't want my mom screaming at me. And then eventually down the road, there will be resentment and your child will tell you, all I remember is you yelling and screaming at me. So do your best to keep your composure. Children learn to exploit their parents' emotional weakness quite effectively. That often leads to the parents fighting with each other. So keep calm, stay collected, even when things get difficult. Patience, patience, patience. Connectedness. Connectedness means you're joined or linked firmly together. When you're applying this trait to parenting, we tend to think of a bond or connection between a child and his parents. A disconnected parent is essentially just a roommate with leverage. Spend time with your child. Get to know your child. Be caring and compassionate. A healthy bond leads to a sense of mutual respect, which leads to happier parents and much better off children. Common sense. This is the ability to make a rational decision and use good judgment. If you are already struggling with two difficult children and then you decide to have a third, you do not possess this trait. <laughs> Common sense is difficult to learn. You either have it or you don't. If you don't, then I highly recommend seeking and taking advice of someone who does. If you do, make sure you use it. Be logical while you're parenting. Don't be emotional. Consequences. Consequences are essentially the result of our actions and behavior. They can be positive or they can be negative. Effective consequences are the root of effective discipline and can ultimately shape a child's future. For instance, giving a child what he or she wants in order to tame a raging tantrum results in a positive consequence earned for throwing a tantrum. A parent that does this is not using effective consequences. One can expect that a child will throw another blistering tantrum next time he or she wants something. Choosing consequences that are logical and fair, not just easy and convenient. 
So when your toddler is screeching that high-pitched, unbearable pterodactyl impression <laughs> in the store because they want something that they see that they can't have, and everybody's staring at you and you're trying to shop, don't give the child what they're screaming for. Um, oftentimes parents, when uh, they give appropriate consequences and they're consistent, when the child begins to screech and scream like that, the parent will abandon their cart and take the child and leave the store and go home. And um, some parents will scream with the toddler <laughs> and it sends the toddler into a little bit of confusion, like, why is my mom screaming with me? And then when the toddler stops screaming, they stop screaming. And they kind of turn it into a game. And then the toddler doesn't want to do that anymore because they're not getting what they want, really. They're just getting their parent to scream with them. And so they know that to get what they want, if they want something at the store, they're not going to get that by screaming because the parent is not giving in. So if your toddler or your children throw a tantrum and you give them their way, Expect more tantrums. A parent that does this is not using effective consequences. So um, you can expect them to continue to throw those tantrums. Choose consequences that are logical and fair. So now that you have learned these tools, think about what they mean to you and how they relate to your own parenting style. Which ones will you choose to adopt? Which ones are you already using? And now the flip side, dysfunctional parenting styles to avoid, also by Chris Thiessen in 2001. So dysfunctional parenting. Are you an anxious parent? Anxious parents raise their children with an overall sense of nervousness and, and or worry. They become overly protective and often do things that prevent their child from just being a kid. They constantly worry that their child will get sick injured or damaged if specific precautions are not taken. So if you're the anxious parent, as difficult as it is, you need to be able to let go just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, are you a hostile and angry parent? Are you the one that's always screaming and you're never quite satisfied or accepting of your child? You're yelling, you're threatening, you're demeaning the child. Even physical punishments are common methods um, to gain compliance from the child. These parents use negative voice tone in their everyday interactions with their children, and they just seem to have a chip on their shoulder at all times. These parents typically need help to address deeper issues. So if you are just angry and resentful towards your child on a regular basis, I understand that sometimes... Every once in a while, we might have a tinge of that when we're frustrated. But if this is commonplace for you, you have some deeper issues that you need to work out so that you can build that bond and connection with your child before it's too late. Are you an emotional parent? Emotional parents are afraid to dish out consequences because they're afraid their child will get upset. The emotional parent is also... Uh, highly prone to codependency traits. 
These parents cannot stand to see their little ones cry, and they often give in to their child's outburst for fear of being labeled a mean parent. Emotional parents do what they do to appease their own emotional needs, not those of the children. These parents are very easily manipulated. They don't deal well with confrontation. They're people pleasers and enablers. And if you're the emotional parent and you treat your children this way, you're crippling your children. Um, they won't grow up to be independent thinkers. They won't grow up to be hard workers. They will grow up to be entitled with a learned helplessness and a victim attitude. So if you're the emotional parent struggling with codependency issues, it's important that you get help for the codependency issues and start to be more assertive and consistent. Are you the CEO type of parent? Do you run your household as though it were a business? Each family member is a subordinate that is expected to perform his or her duties as expected. Interactions are cold and businesslike, very military. Some people grow up in a military household like this. If you are the CEO parent, get in touch with your inner child and learn to have a little fun now and then too. Your your consistency is very admirable and you are training your children to have self-discipline and self-respect. However, there needs to be some downtime and some playtime too, so try to find that balance. Are you the absent parent? The absent parents can be absent in two ways, physically or emotionally. There's no connection or bond between the parents and their children. If you are the absent parent, please go seek therapy. Learn how to connect with your child. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you have addiction issues. Um, there's a whole list of reasons why you might be the absent parent but your child desperately wants to connect with you and hopefully you will get the help you need to connect with your child. Um, another style to avoid is the Siamese twin. Unlike absent parents, Siamese twin parents are overly connected to their children. These parents maintain poor boundaries and they're way too involved in their child's lives. They influence every decision and intrude at every level. Uh, I recently heard somebody refer to this as the smother mother. <laughs> so, and the, and you've also heard the term helicopter mom or helicopter dad. Same thing. Um, if you are this type of parent, you need to get some friends and get some hobbies. And definitely stay involved in your child's life every step of the way. But back off just a little. You don't want your child to... Uh, grow up and never come see you because they're so tired of you butting into their lives. And you also don't want to ruin their marriage by butting into their life when they're older. So you need to back off a little. Are you the casual observer? Casual observer parents are those that basically sit back and watch their kids grow up. Um, they have little or no involvement, not a, not much of a connection. They're quite permissive. They set few limits or boundaries. Casual observer parents basically feel that they are doing their job if they keep their children safe, fed, sheltered, and clothed. These parents take on more of a roommate type of relationship. So the casual observer or free-range parent, you're allowing your child to naturally develop the way that they will. It's important to, every now and then, 
when you see them trailing onto the wrong path, it's, it's important to give them a little nudge back in the right direction and explain why. And it's important to use uh, your child's mistakes. Let them make their mistakes. Let them fall and let them learn with natural consequences, but also follow up with good communication and talk about what could be done differently in the future. If you want to be a free-range parent, it's also important to have those teaching moments and that open communication develop more of a connection. If you are like most parents, you probably can think of instances where you have fit into most or all of these categories listed. There's no need to worry if that happens. After all, you can't fix what you don't acknowledge. Um, The best course of action for parents to take is, first of all, just be present physically and emotionally. Establish a healthy balance that includes appropriate limits and boundaries, emotional stability, and healthy attachment. So those are dysfunctional parenting styles to avoid. Now, also by Chris Thiessen, 2001. The truly mean parent. Are you one of them? And I'll go through this right after this small break. Okay, we're back. The truly mean parent. Are you one of them? One of the most common thing themes from parents with unruly children is the fear of being labeled a mean parent. Here are a few points that these parents don't quite understand. Number one. It is okay to set and enforce limits that upset your child. Number two, it is okay for your child to cry and cry and cry when you set a limit that he or she does not like. Number three, when your child makes a statement such as, I hate you, they really mean, I hate the fact that you have authority over me. Too many parents give in to their children because they're scared of being a mean parent. They get anxious and emotional when their child opposes the limits that have been set. As a result, these parents typically do whatever they can to pacify and appease that child. By appeasing those children, the parents feel they can avoid the dreaded label of being a mean mom or dad. What these parents don't realize is that the truly mean parent is the one who gives in. The parents set their children up for future failure. Imagine what it must be like for a child who gets whatever he wants by crying. How successful can this child be when they begin school, work, or a relationship later in life? These children fail to learn the important and essential trait called self-discipline. Without self-discipline, these children will struggle. Mean parents are the ones who let this happen. You're mean if you cripple your kids. Giving them good discipline teaches them self-discipline. So remember, if your kid is crying because he or she is afraid, go and reassure them and be understanding. If your kid is crying because he or she is hurt, give them nurturing and compassion. If your kid is crying because their feelings are hurt, be comforting and supportive. If your kid is crying because they don't like the rules or the limits you have set, Too bad, so sad, don't care. Now let's take a look at your child's anger. 
Is your child's anger reactive or is it proactive? How does your child behave when he or she is angry? Is there an unnerving calmness that makes you wonder what to expect? Or is there an intense overreaction that you cannot ignore? Some children respond to anger by stomping around and crying hysterically. And that's a little easier to identify than the kid who smirks and calculates a methodical plan to get even with the source of their anger later. These two are dramatically different responses to anger, and they can be labeled as reactive or proactive. A reactive kid will respond to anger by throwing what most people would refer to as a tantrum. Their arms might flail, their feet might stomp, the tears might flow, screaming and crying, actions and impulsive emotions run high. A reactive preteen can seem, seemingly transform into a toddler in the blink of an eye. A proactive child responds in a subtle, less noticeable manner. Their mind begins to plot revenge against the person who has crossed them. They're calm and collected on the outside, but manipulative and deliberate on the inside. A proactive child is quite skilled at hiding his angry feelings behind an impassive expression. Here are some other identifiers typically associated with these types of children. Reactive, red-faced, out-of-control, immature, loud, demanding, and short-tempered. Proactive, calculating, manipulative, charming, passive-aggressive, and arrogant. Think Chucky. <laughs> so how can parents effectively respond to each style? So responding to the reactive child. Avoid giving in to those tantrums and outbursts. Your child probably does this because it's worked for them in the past. Use the broken record technique. No. 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 No matter how much you scream and cry, I will not change my mind. The answer is no. Um, remain calm. Escalating your own behavior will only cause the child to escalate theirs. So don't throw gasoline on a fire. If your child is screaming, maintain your level and volume of voice and do the broken record. Teach the child coping skills to deal with different emotions. Have them practice those coping skills while they are calm and use them when they are not. So let's practice some deep breathing exercises. Let's do progressive muscle relaxation. Uh, make it like a game and do it with them when they're not having a tantrum. And then when they have a tantrum, say, you know what, let's do that breathing exercise. Help them to calm themselves down. Remind the child that the tantrum will not change the outcome and the consequences remain. So the proactive child, avoid power struggles. These children love power struggles. Um, remain calm. These children act the way they do to get a reaction from you. Do not give them the reaction they're looking for. Be firm. Be assertive. Maintain your authority as a parent and follow through with consequences. Identify and confront the behaviors that are considered passive-aggressive or manipulative. You definitely point it out and make sure they understand what manipulation means and say what you're doing is a manipulation and it is not okay. 
um, acting, acting like that and throwing a tantrum and screaming is not going to get you what you want. You need to use normal big boy or big girl communication skills. Find ways to teach appropriate values, especially empathy. So, hope that was helpful. Moving on, here are some ideas to correct behaviors and get your kids on a more positive path with behaviors. One of them is the token economy. So, a token economy, if you don't know what it is, it's uh, frequently used an effective technique to help change behaviors in resistant children and adolescents. Some form of token, such as a slip of paper, a sticker, um, those plastic golden pirate coins, you can get them on Amazon, I think like a hundred of them for five bucks. Um, it's awarded after a positive, positive behavior. You can also use coupons, make, make your own coupons. Um, the token can later be exchanged for a reward. Research has shown that token economies are an effective way to change behaviors, but the way in which they are implemented is the key to their success. So here's a few tips to get you started. Number one, tokens can be awarded, but you never take them away. In the same way, an employee will not lose their pay for Monday if they do a bad job on Wednesday. Tokens should never be taken away as a punishment. The child has earned this token and being overly punitive can lead them to giving up or feeling their efforts are useless and they will not conform to the token economy whatsoever. Number two, desired behaviors and rewards must be clearly defined. Asking a child to clean your room for a token is not enough. Your idea of a clean room is probably very different from theirs. For example, how many kids sweep everything under their bed and tell you, I clean my room. <laughs> so explain to them, clothes need to be folded and placed in drawers. There should be no toys on the floor or under the bed. And any dishes must be returned to the kitchen. Avoid abstract tasks such as, don't get in trouble today. Number three, choose just a few behaviors at a time. Don't get too complex. Don't overwhelm yourself and your child. Focus on two or three behaviors to reward at any one time. Even the most proactive parent will have difficulty tracking and rewarding more goals than that on a daily basis. Complex systems work great for a day or two, but they're usually quickly abandoned. So keep it simple. Choose a couple of things you want to focus on. And, and do that. Number four, do what you say. When you offer a token or reward, you have to follow through. Make sure the reward you offer is realistic for your budget as well. Offering a reward and not following through will invalidate the whole system. In that same vein, don't give a token if the desired behavior is not achieved. So don't say, hey, if you clean your room all week, I'll take you to Disneyland when you know you can't afford Disneyland. Um, it's, it's really cool to get a poster board or an old Amazon box and cut it and use that as your board. Um, but you write, you, you do diag diagonal and horizontal lines and make a grid and put the child's name or the children's names across the top and then put the chores or behavior corrections you want to see. And when you catch them being good, 
toss them a coin, toss them a coupon, and get another poster board and have them sit with you and pick out little little rewards that they would like to have, such as a new toy or a set of colored markers to color in the coloring book with, or maybe they want to make slime. Hopefully that phase has passed. Ooh, the slime, so messy. <laughs> but whatever the activity or prize they would like to have, print out photos of those and put them on the poster board next to your token economy board so that they know and then you need to specify how many tokens must be collected for each thing so maybe five tokens will get you two hours of screen time on saturday or maybe 10 tokens will get you a trip to chuck e cheese or you know you get the idea um, number five collaborate a token economy will do little good if your child does not understand how to achieve those rewards Get some ideas for easy rewards, such as spending a night with a friend, having extra time on the computer, but also create bigger rewards. We'll go to the zoo in San Diego in six months if I see consistent, you know, and give them a break too. When you know how hard it is for you to change, it's super hard for them to change too. They are another human being just like you. They're struggling if they're used to screaming and pitching a fit every time they want something, it's going to be really hard for them to catch themselves and stop themselves and use a new approach. So give them a break. If they mess up, remind them, hey, we're working on you not throwing fits anymore, remember? So what, what is the alternate action or what are you supposed to do instead if you want something? And remind them and get them to say it out loud so that it ingrains it more in their subconscious. And, you know, definitely give it time and don't get frustrated. Stick with it and be consistent. Another tool that is very helpful is to have family meetings. Having family meetings allows everyone in the family to talk about what's good and what needs to be worked on. And it gives everybody a voice and it helps build better communication, better connections, better self-confidence, self-esteem. And it's, it's a teaching moment for the kids, and sometimes it's a teaching moment from the children to you. So family meeting topics are um, wonderful to have, and family meetings are recommended once a week, once a month. You could do it at the dinner table, a brief one every night at the dinner table, put away all electronics, and choose a family meeting topic for each family meeting. Write it on your calendar. Let the kids know that you want to know what has made them happy this week and what did not make them happy and what are their ideas to change those things so that they can be happier. So topics involve self-esteem. Uh, you could say, what is it that makes you feel special in our family? What is it about yourself that you're most proud of? What are special talents or abilities that you have? And tell each family member what you appreciate about them as well. Another topic is taking initiative. What does it mean to take initiative? Name three things you have done lately to demonstrate initiative. What can you do this week to show that you are taking initiative? And how would things be different in our home if nobody took initiative? 
Um, another topic being helpful. What does it mean to be helpful? Who was then who was then past person you helped? Who was a past person that you helped? How did you help that person? Who was the last person who helped you? How did that person help you? Is there ever a time when you should not help somebody? Um, seeking attention. What does it mean to seek positive attention? attention. Give me some examples. What are some of the ways you seek attention? And be sure to define these words for the little ones if they don't understand. Break it down in a language they can understand so they can be part of the conversation. Uh, what are some of the new ways you could seek positive attention? And how does it make you feel when nobody notices you seeking positive attention? Being responsible. What does it mean to be responsible Name all name three things you have done today to show that you are responsible. What can you do this week to show that you're being more responsible? And how would things look in your how would things look different in our home if nobody was responsible? So the list goes on and on. The topics uh cover who are you, having patience, natural consequences, being thankful. We all do that around the dinner table on Thanksgiving. Um, choices, generosity, hygiene, safety, empathy, fairness, relaxation, forgiveness, plan a family outing, goals, health, feelings, sportsmanship, courage, loyalty, friendship, self-soothing techniques, honesty, Attitude, cleanliness, conflict resolution, stress, and authority. If you would like a copy of this worksheet, this is also by Chris Deason. Um, I can send you the copy I have, or you can go directly to his website. It's www.parentcoachplan.com. Role-playing scenarios. Sometimes... When you're trying to connect with your children, you think, I don't know what to talk to them about. They're kids. Like, what What am I going to do? Um, I've had a lot of parents tell me, I don't, I don't know what to do with them. They're little kids. And I tell them, sit down on the floor across from them and say, what do you want to do? Let's play a game. What do you want to play? Let them take the reins. Sometimes you can take the reins. So we have a role-playing scenario. You get together with your child and role play these these different scenarios and you act out the scene. It's kind of like um, acting out like charades. You're acting out the scene, but you're also talking. So you you both do it. You have your child do it first and then you do it and show them, you know, your response. So one of the topics is you open a birthday gift from a relative and it's something you really don't want. What do you do? Um, you're in a co you're in a convenience store with a friend that has no money, and while you're paying for your soda, you look over and see that your friend stole a candy bar. What do you do? You have a friend that is constantly telling lies to other people, and now he's telling you a lie. What do you do? So there's quite a few um, on here, and I I also can send you that worksheet if you would like it. It is also on Chris Thiessen's website, www.parentcoachplan. Dot com. Brilliant stuff for connecting with kids. Here's another worksheet. It's called Getting to Know Your Child. 
How well do you really know your child? This worksheet is so cool. It really helps you learn more about your child and they get to learn more about you because after you ask them and listen to their answer, they get to ask you the same question. So this is a really cool worksheet for making those deeper connections in communication and openness with your child. Some of the questions include, what do you look for in a friend? What worries you the most? What makes you the most happy? What are your favorite foods? What is your favorite movie? Who do you consider to be your hero? Do you think it would be difficult to be a mom or dad? Why or why not? What is your biggest problem at school? If you had $10,000, how would you spend it? What stresses you out? What is the best thing about you? So those are a few examples. There's quite a few questions on there. Here's another worksheet. It's called Would You Rather? And this is super fun to play with your kids, and it helps you to learn more about kind of where their head's at and how they think. And you get to learn more about their imagination and their their compassion and their patience and or lack of... <laughs> So would you rather be happy but poor or be miserable but rich? Would you rather be known as a thief or be known as a nerd? Would you rather live the life of a cat or the life of a dog? Would you rather lose your best friend forever or have no contact with your family for one year? Would you rather wear glasses for the rest of your life or wear braces for the rest of your life? Would you rather stand in front of the whole school or on a stage and do a silly song and dance or shave your head completely bald? So there's a list of questions on that. Um, same thing with this worksheet. It's from Chris Thiessen. I can send you copies if you reach out to me or you can go to his website. And then mindful exercises for children. This is going to help you de-escalate them. Um, it's important to have them practice these tools with you while they are feeling good and not throwing a fit, okay? Build a stress ball. If you feel brave and you're prepared to clean up a mess, provide the children with balloons, flour, and funnels to build their own stress ball. You may want to double layer the balloons. Some other filling options include rice, small beads, and leftover dots from punched paper. Once the kids have built their own stress ball, try using them with a feeling exercise. The body squeezing exercise. Have the child sit or lie down in a comfortable position. Ask them to squeeze and relax each of the muscles in their body one by one. They should hold the squeeze for about five seconds. After releasing the squeeze, ask the kid to pay attention to how it feels when they relax. Children understand this exercise better if you help them visualize. So you would say, curl your toes like you're picking up a pencil with your feet. Tense your legs by pretending you're standing on your tippy toes trying to look over a fence. Suck in your stomach like you're trying to slide through a narrow opening. Make a fist with your hand and pretend you're trying to squeeze all the juice out of a lemon. Pretend like a bug landed on your nose and you're trying to get it off of your nose without using your hands. Scrunch your face and move your nose and jaw to make it fly away. The five senses exercise. Take the children outside if the weather is nice. Have them lie silently in the grass 
and begin to call out each of the five senses, sight, smell, sound, taste, and touch, and ask the children to notice everything they can with that particular sense until you call out the next one. This can work well on walks and in a number of other situations as well. Another one is find your favorite color. So first you'll ask your child, what is your favorite color? And let's say the child says blue. And you say, okay, why do you like the color blue? And they might say, because it's pretty like the ocean and the sky. Or they might say, because that's my favorite gummy bear and it's blueberry. And you can say, how do you feel when you see the color blue? And they might say happy or something like that. So you'll have them find their favorite color as a little game when they're not throwing a tantrum, when their behavior is good. You could say, okay, look around the room and take this piece of paper and write down everything you see that has the color blue on it. And so they might write down, you know, the clock, the painting, the couch, the, you know, wherever they see it. And then when they are having a bad day and their, their behavior is escalating, you could say, hey, find blue. It's time to find blue. Where's blue? And that will help them to get into a more mindful state and calm down. The feeling exercise. Collect a number of interesting objects such as feathers, putty, stones, and anything else that might be interesting to hold. You could even use ice cubes. Give each child an object and ask them to spend just a minute noticing what it feels like in their hand. They can feel the texture, if it is hard, soft, cold, hot, and what the shape is. Afterwards, ask the children to describe what they felt. With bigger groups, if you have more than one children, pair the children off and take turns completing the exercise together. The ocean breathing game. Have the children sit or lie down in a comfortable position and ask everyone to slowly breathe in through their nose and then out through their lips as if they are blowing through a straw. Point out that the slow and steady breathing sounds like ocean waves. Let the children continue breathing and making the ocean sound for one to two minutes. And then the power of listening. Ring a bell or a wind chime or anything else that creates long trailing sounds. Ask each child to listen and silently raise their hand when they can no longer hear the sound. After the ringing ends, ask the children to continue listening to any other sound they can hear for the next minute. When the minute ends, go around the room and ask everybody to tell you what sounds they heard. So that's a few exercises to help you connect with your children and also by playing these, these, you know, you can call them games, playing these games with your children, it helps you to kind of condition them with some de-escalation exercises that will help you when they become escalated. So thank you for tuning into your therapy tools. I hope you found this episode helpful and parents remember You're doing a good job. You are doing a good job. And there's always room for improvement. Don't let other parents shame you. Don't let other parents make you feel bad. And don't worry about the unsolicited advice from others. You do what's right for you and your children and your household. Okay, make great choices. Have a beautiful day. 
And remember that you are worth it. You're amazing. And you are a strong mental health warrior.